Welcome to the Marshall Pruitt Podcast and your Week in IndyCar listener Q&A. And hopefully I sound a lot less terrible than I did last week recording this in a hotel in Indianapolis where I was fighting off uh, the bubonic plague or whatever some kind person at the Brickyard Grand Prix gave me for free. Hey, let's say a a huge thank you to y'all for the great questions you sent in. Having a week off slowed things down a little bit on the question front, but our friend Jerry Siddeth, who puts them together for us, says 30 or so questions, about 1,800 words worth, so bless all of y'all for sending those in. We'll get to as many as we can in approximately an hour of good old podcasty. IndyCar listener Q&A goodness. Also, a huge thank you as well to Cooper Tires. Power the USF Championships, America's defining open-wheel ladder system. Great, great friends also associated with Cooper Tires here this year in USF Championships, put together by Anderson Promotions, that being Discount Tire. And really, my longest friends, that being the Justice Brothers. My father, back in the 1970s, starting his own shop. Pruitt's Old English Garage used Justice Brothers automotive chemicals and lubricants. And so great to see Ed Justice, Courtney Justice, the Justice family last weekend in Monterey, where I was for the Rolex Monterey Motorsports Reunion. Great to catch up with them, just talk about life, the universe, and everything. And because that event is just so, (laughs) so amazing. I'm standing there talking to Ed and Courtney. And who do we see walk up right next to us? Mr. Lamont, nine-time winner Tom Christensen, who's an old friend. And Mr. Spin and Win himself, 1985, 8500 winner Danny Sullivan. So it's like, hey, well, come here. We went over there and we're just chatting with them. And it's just that kind of event. Uh, Tom was there, I think, to uh, gift Zach Brown one of his uh, one of his helmets, which is pretty amazing. When I was in the uh, back there with Zach a little bit later on Saturday, saw that it was sitting with uh, his helmet. So yeah, I think that was a. Uh, I gotta get Tom to give me a helmet. That'd be amazing, wouldn't it? But just that kind of event where standing at the Jaguar Heritage display, and who do you catch up with? Uh, Pal from Garage 56, good old Jensen Button, talking to him about stuff. And then run into name just anybody from folks that you're like, wow, that's a really famous international champion driver type to here's just the most amazing person who loves vintage racing and has some little tiny car and they'll never be known for their success driving it but they have the biggest smile in the world. And how much fun is it to talk to that person or the other person over here or the mechanic working on this car or whomever? Just, yeah, I tweeted this out, I think, on Sunday maybe, but if you get a chance, whether it's this event at Laguna Seca or something close to you, wherever you might live, if you can get out for a vintage racing event at your local track, Just please do (laughs) any of the things that might drive you mad about modern motor racing, whether it's, I don't know, honoring a contract or not honoring a contract or who knows race control did this or that that makes you angry. Like just go to a vintage race. Like it's truly just all good there. 
It's just folks loving the sport for the reasons we all got into this. And you tend to get to see some amazing cars, maybe before your time. Maybe you've never seen most of them, but you walk around and get to see things. You're like, wow, that's cool. What is it? You go over and talk to people and they tell you, because if you're involved in vintage racing, whatever it is that you're driving or working on, you're an expert of it because you have to be. And so it's just this cool, like part museum, part modern art installation with competition and colors and sounds. It's just the best. So anyways, got to see the justice family, which was amazing. And then let's also say a thank you as well to torontomotorsports.com. Pay them a visit. If you're in the mood for some motor racing memorabilia, hats, t-shirts, models, stickers, whatever, F1, IndyCar, sports cars, you name it. Good folks there. Uh, plenty to talk about, but why don't we limit things instead of a long preamble, long, long preamble. Uh, why don't we kind of sort of limit things to your questions? I think we have a silly season question or two in here. And I don't know. I uncorked a couple things last week that sometimes I don't do. I don't think I do enough of that uh, here on the show. So try to do more of it here and actually share some new things, interesting things, etc. Just scrolling through the questions that Jerry put together might be more towards the end of the show, uh, but I'll do my best to help give you a couple little nuggets that you might not uh, hear beforehand or read beforehand. So there you go. Also, as a little aside, I try not to give uh, other reporters like leads on things, uh, but that's okay. I'm, I'm caring a little bit less about that by the day uh filed more than eight thousand words worth of a mailbag here just about an hour ago it's about 6 45 ish p.m on a monday night uh just watched some highlights from world track and field finals called by our pal lee diffie and my wife and i watched replays of shakari richardson winning the women's final we no joke probably watched that 20 times and we're screaming and cheering and just losing our minds so uh, so proud of her and yeah so anyways on a bit of a high here so let's get rolling with your uh, questions starting off with one of our dearest friends that being the amazing amazing sure it's a new word for me you're amazing cassie johnston our dear friend at mama underscore g-force you are opening the show and frankly you should probably open the show for us every week uh, you say hey friend am i imagining things are we hearing more public driver complaints about the firestone tires than we have in the last few years. I think we're observing the very same thing, Cassie. Frequency is what I'm talking about. Higher frequency. Not only are we hearing more, but I also think we're hearing these complaints from a wider base as well. Used to be the OGs who would feel more comfortable in saying, hey, got an issue here. This isn't working. This isn't right. This isn't something. Seems like we're hearing this from younger drivers, newer drivers, all kinds of drivers. And the complaint that we hear most today, I believe, this is again just based on trying to capture what I hear and when and find that through line that connects everything, it's consistency from one set to the next, whether it's super speedway tires, street cores, whatever. The most common complaint I seem to hear and that complaint that seems to be spoken 
more often than I think any of us would expect is from one set to the next, if it's the same compound alternates, primaries, or again, if we're on the ovals for most ovals, just the one option we have, uh, I don't know what happened, but the consistency between sets, there seems to be a greater concern for a lack of consistency than I can, I'd say ever remember. Uh, and this is going back to the nineties. Um, I remember towards the end of Goodyear's time um, in cart slash the Indy Racing League where they were trying a lot of things to catch up and, and draw down the deficit to Firestone. And at that point, there were some not super happy things being said, but that's because Firestone was doing a markedly better job and just doing the same old thing wasn't going to solve the problem for Goodyear. And so, as you would expect from a amazingly talented, highly successful company like Goodyear, being on the back foot, trying a lot of things to fix that. And so naturally, when you're in a kind of experimental phase in season, you're going to have some things that don't work particularly well at all so that's really again kind of late 90s ish the last time cassie where i recall hearing similar volume of hey what is going on here um so that is something for sure i know that teams are teams and drivers are saying what can we do to erase the question mark of when i go from one brand new set of primaries to another brand new set of primaries in the race what can we do so I don't have to worry about whether they'll be performing at the same level? Um, another item here, just or one or two items, quickly. Uh, we also live in the era of non-disparagement clauses. So for whatever you have heard, I've heard, keep in mind that there is a pretty serious penalty being kept in mind for saying things that are too harsh or too raw, maybe in the person's mind, too honest, whatever, however you might phrase that. Non-disparagement clauses for sure uh, are keeping a lid on a lot of things. Another item too, and this goes back many years, is, and maybe we're seeing some of this, right? Not exactly on the finer point of the question here that you've asked, Cassie, but it is in the general hemisphere of, are we seeing more marbles at many of the races than we have before and it feels like the answer is yes and from what i've been hearing for a long time if there's been any desire for a tire to be improved or any complaints about it needing to be better from what i am told the solution is often to go softer again i don't use these tires in indycar competition so I can't speak to this from my own experience, but I can just tell you what some of the finest championship winning drivers over the years have said, and that is, it seems like anything that we're grumpy about, the, the fix is often going softer. Part of me wonders as well, the proliferation of more and more little shredded pieces of tire rubber right off the racing surface, pick the track could be an oval could be a street course could be whatever 
seems like we're seeing more than ever. And if so, maybe that aligns with this other comment I've been hearing for a long time of softer, 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 softer. Are we at the point to where at seemingly too many places we go, the track or just track surface is just truly like a cheese grater, just sawing away at the tire carcass. And since, again, if this is accurate, they're just softer and softer and softer, it's easier to saw away and make those little tiny marbles that uh, are, are really becoming what seems like a greater and greater nuisance. So, yeah, um, this is a weird one, Cassie, where it's one thing if a driver says to their engine technician, hey, this motor is doing something bad, wrong, deficient. It's hurting us. It's not allowing us to achieve our, our peak performance. Not saying the engine technician is going to be smiling, go, great, I love that feedback. But ultimately, they're in competition with another brand and would want to rectify that ASAP. I'm not saying complaints to Firestone aren't met with the same level of competitive interest. It is a different dynamic, though, when you have a lot of drivers maybe giving slightly different feedback to come to a consensus and then act upon that. Um, it's not as direct as the motor was doing A, I need you to make it do it B, for it to do B before we roll out onto the track again for the next practice session. Um, there might be some debate, there might be some whatever, but ultimately... There is the ability to tap away on a keyboard and make that change for the next session. Not the case when it comes to tire manufacturing. A lot of that manufacturing happens, whether it's anywhere from six months to a year before they're used. So, yeah, uh, some big picture stuff here. And definitely, I think some solutions might be needed. I wouldn't pretend exactly how they arrive at those solutions, uh, to meet everybody's satisfaction right away though a great opening question cassie and thank you as always for just being you uh lance snyder oh boy no one's ever thanked you for being you uh sorry lance snyder minister of mirth of our show he says why are alternate tires and ovals being used before the reintroduction of led panels doesn't indycar know the led panels will allow the takeover of the motorsports world solve the polo contract situation and bring back the cleveland airport race sheesh Everything but the Polo reference is something where probably a lot of newer fans are going, what is this guy on? Um, yes, LED panels. Last used when? Was it like 2018 maybe? Like haven't we had a couple presidents since like new presidents? I don't know. feels like some of this stuff is great. But yeah, bring back Cleveland. I'd love to. I'm actually old enough to have been to some of those races and they were, uh, they were freaking awesome. Uh, let's see, uh, Ed walk. You say, Hey Marshall, all the best to your wife and cats. Thank you. I don't know if you heard Rocky. He was just in the background caterwauling and doing his bizarre meow, meow stuff for no reason, but Hey, uh, maybe he was doing his, uh, start your engines impression. Uh, he says, first question, haven't heard much about Stefan Wilson's recovery. Can you tell us how he's doing? Yeah, you bet. Uh, would also recommend, um, and I lightly recommend it, uh, cause some of it's a bit of a, uh, it's like a tough steak to chew at times, uh, racers mailbag, which comes out every Wednesday and consumes 
a lot of hours of my life every week answering those questions, Ed. Uh, there was a question about Stefan, I think, last week. The same exact question, maybe even the week before. So um, you might check there, too, get some good uh, answers to questions. Uh, Steph is doing well. Uh, hopes to be back in a car by the end of the year. Don't know if that's going to be an Indy car, but uh, probably a sports car or something. But he is making great progress also. Um, he and his wife... Uh, Katie have uh, shared with us that they are going to be first time parents. So I am so happy. Uh, sent Steph a text and just said, No pressure. If it's a boy, you know, Marshall's a pretty strong name. Uh, definitely would not go with Anders, his friend and kind of manager, Anders Crone, who's just uh, human tragedy uh, in a uh, Nordic rapper. Um, yeah, he's doing well. Spirits are great. Um, and yeah, their family, they, they've got a more than just a dog now coming. Uh, they got a, a real family that's brewing and that's just, that's the best thing in the world. Uh, you say second, how have team strategies been affected by the inclusion of alternate tires at gateway, uh, AKA worldwide technology raceway? Um, that's a great question that I don't have the answer to and nor do they, uh, spoke with our pal, Brian Herta, uh, race strategist to the stars. And uh, also Connor Daly today to get some thoughts from them, Ed. And so I will probably write that story after I'm done here and file that to hit the good old racer Tuesday morning, racer.com. So uh, they share some insights there, but the the short answer is nobody knows. Uh, Not until they get to run on those alternate tires and then project how long they will last and how they might factor into strategy. If they last a really long time, then probably no real change to strategy. If they don't, oh, that's definitely going to throw a should oval strategy wrinkle into things. Uh, Ben Cohen, say MP, hope you're feeling better. I am surely getting there, Ben, getting pretty close. Uh, I had my fever break. I didn't know I really had a fever going, but I had my fever break on the flight from Indianapolis last tuesday to florida and having that happen on the plane what i mean i (laughs) it yeah i sweated through every layer of clothes that i had as i kind of went godzilla thermonuclear um was feeling sick to my stomach i've never used the barf bag on a plane before ben but i grabbed it feeling like that might happen so uh, like again, this is, you know, not really any kind of serious thing to be worried about, but like, I haven't been really ill on a plane many times in my life, but there's a certain feeling when you're whatever it is, 30,000 feet in the air in a metal tube. And like, all you want to do is lay down or turn on the fan or air conditioning and something and cool. Like, and you're like, Nope, I'm trapped going thermonuclear stuffed into this little sardine can uh, with people packed into the row and yeah, I might've been slightly miserable there for a while. And then like sweating through my clothes and then having to get to uh, the airport, uh, be kind of soaked. And then it was a million degrees outside plus a thousand percent humidity and then drive for a couple hours. Like I'm just saying, if you'd seen me, you'd be like, someone needs to put that old fart out of his uh out of his misery so hopefully if nothing else i'm hoping the sight of me made some folks smile and feel better about themselves because uh yeah 
I was looking pitiful. Anyways, you say, uh, can you give any background on the processor testing that went into the alternate tires now being utilized in this weekend's oval race? What impact do you think it'll have for teams and the race in general? And you close with a kind note saying, thanks for all you do for us fans. Well, you're welcome, Ben. Like, over obvious statement alert, but I genuinely do all of this for you. Um, I don't do it for myself. I don't mean that to sound like I'm some super selfless guy, but I mean, like, genuinely. Uh, the thing I love doing is creating content uh, for y'all because I'm not writing it or recording it for myself to just be an audience of one. So it's really sweet when uh, you mention things like this because, like, truly, I'm just like, hey, what do I think folks would enjoy? And uh, we do it. Um, testing was done. There was a belief that there would be a pretty decent performance difference. But again, the whole thing is really meant to mirror the uh, a street course or road course primary and, and alternate tire model where you have the standards that last a long time and you have the alternates that uh, peak performance comes soon and then falls off. And yeah, uh, what I don't have a feeling for here is where all this fits in in terms of okay uh what do we have going for you know is it 20 laps of brilliance before they feel like heck and do nothing is it 50 is it what is the number how long do we think uh we're going to be able to get useful life out of these tires and what is that true peak is it something where if a driver start let's say the race starts and however many people are on the alternates will they perform at a level that's kind of like when we see everybody at iowa and someone pits for fresh tires and the leaders out there running and again they're in p1 but that driver on new tires is able to go around them like they're standing still take the high line or the low line but just blow by them like i don't know if i expect to see that but that's the curiosity right will drivers starting the race on fresh tires will there be such a performance advantage where you can do things with the alternates that seem like the ones on the primaries are, are just really old and struggling for grip so we just don't know right we just don't know so yeah from a testing standpoint there was the design intent for these to mirror the road and street course difference but and they were signed off on as being good and okay and having that capability. But yeah, can't tell you about the impact because uh, I've spoken to multiple drivers today and they're all of the, I don't know, <laughs> I just don't know, um, uh, approach. There's a lot. How's this? When we get into practice on Saturday, like legitimately there are going to be everybody all looking for the same thing can we get a little bit of quiet time on track to run on the alternate so we're not on top of each other everybody wants to get a kind of solo read for you know a decent number of laps to see what the alternates perform like and where they start to degrade then you remember like, oh yeah, there's going to be 28 cars on a one and a quarter mile track. <laughs> like, yeah, uh, unless you want to go out right away when there's no real rubber on the track, which again, wouldn't really be the smart call. I don't think 
most teams are going to come out of that opening practice feeling like, oh yeah, we, we got a great idea. Um, if I'm guessing correctly, I think we're going to have a little bit of chaos heading into the race where very few of any teams feel like, oh yeah, we got a real handle, know exactly what to expect between the two tires and we've formed a strategy that's going to win. I think there's going to be some great, a greater amount of variables here. And that's what we live for, right? When everybody shows up for the race, I think of races like tests, like you're in class, you've studied and everyone, it's time to take the final. Well, it's one thing if you've been studying for weeks and you will feel like you're so prepared that there's no question you won't be able to answer brilliantly and swiftly. It's another thing when most of the people showing up for the test are a little bleary-eyed and like, I don't know, (laughs) I didn't get as much studying done as I wanted, man, I hope I don't fail. That's, scholastically, that's not fun. But when it comes to racing, that's where you tend to have the best stuff. It's when everybody shows up looking like they've studied for a year where you go, all right, well, that kind of sucked because nobody, there were no real major questions to answer. Everybody knew what to do and somebody won. Other folks didn't, but yeah, wasn't a lot of question marks. Uh, I think we're going to have tons of question marks, so I can't wait. Uh, Ed Joris, how are you, brother? You say with the new pavement, the Road America race weekend was different from recent events. The old pavement. Do you expect similar results at Laguna, like single lane racing, etc., or more off track excursions than we are used to? Well, I can tell you that last weekend was fun. There was a pretty deep vintage Formula One class, and know a lot of folks both racing in it and a lot of the mechanics looking after the cars and they all kind of sort of within a couple of cars it's almost the same exact uh entry showing up every year and it was really interesting hearing about how after the first day or so there are some teams that really aren't too accustomed to having to make major setup changes who are thrown for a loop because they came there with last year's setup. It's all based in the year before and the year before, all based around a really highly worn track. And they're all of a sudden blessed with multiple seconds of improved speed and cars that are not doing anything that they've done before. And usually, I mean, grip, extra grip is great, but balance of the car is still balance of the car to get right. It's either on the tip of its toes or on the heels, or if you get it right, kind of almost perfectly balanced front to rear and way too many folks are talking about the balance is way off. What the heck do we do? We've got to throw radical changes at this thing. And so as a result, we're going to see some similar things, very similar things at Laguna Seca where this is modified and a little bit different than road America, where there were some teams that tested their, somewhat recently or prior to the race, there is a full test day on Thursday. So it's one of the two-ish or whatever it is, three open tests of the year. And so because it's brand new pavement, uh, IndyCar and whatnot decided that, hey, Thursday, the day before practice starts, we have a day-long 
test session. And you can absolutely anticipate that as a result of that, Ed, not having to venture out, you know, Friday afternoon for the very first time, try and figure things out in a 75-minute session and then make radical changes coming back overnight, um, they're going to be able to do that on Thursday and probably make some significant changes so that for the ones who have guessed wrong, they can come back out Thursday afternoon after getting whatever thing's wrong Thursday morning and probably be pretty darn close. And then they'll come out of the end of Thursday with everything they learn. Tons of simulation work overnight, maybe even some driver in the loop with some of the bigger teams or manufacturers to uh, refine things and come back Friday afternoon for that lone practice session and be, I think, really close. So minus that Thursday test, yeah, I think it would be all over the place. I don't think it'd be single lane racing. I think we would just have way too many teams or entries who are all over the place, scattershot results, and that would have a big effect on the outcome of the weekend's race. But with that Thursday test, I think we're going to see folks that are far more pl- uh, plugged in. But even so, uh, there are more places to pass, better grip under braking than we've ever had, um, et cetera, et cetera. So we should have some pretty decent racing. Uh, but yeah, that Thursday is going to be a big driver of how it all plays out. Daniel Ingleton, MP, hope you and your family are doing well. You too, Daniel. Uh, congratulations on uh, upcoming wedding and such, unless that's just already happened. So I apologize if I got my dates wrong. Say so after the news that McLaren has already paid Alex Pillow in advance for 2024 uh, for his services, just wondered if this is a common payment plan method and if so, what percent of a contract would be a normal advance? Um, yeah, Daniel, brother, I am not aware of this being normal. And of the things I would love to ask Alex that he would not answer, frankly, nor should he. It's none of my business or anyone else's. It would be, why on earth are you doing the car contract equivalent of a payday loan with your new manufacturer i'm sorry the new team you're going to be driving for hey i don't drive for you yet but could you give me some of that money like i don't this is one that leads to endless speculation does he owe money is there a building project that he's doing is he trying to build a big house in Spain, in Carmel, Indiana, in wherever? Is he trying to start a business and needs money to put into it? Is he looking to invest in something? Again, there's so many questions here. I don't know what he is getting paid by Chip Ganassi Racing in 2023. I can tell you that I think we, in a very general sense, understand that with a new one-year contract he signed, to stay in 2023, it was said to pay him a much higher rate than he had earned before. I would have to assume it's in the seven figures. Could be wrong, but as a somewhat newlywed, as a person who probably wants to lead his best life as soon as possible, again, I'm guessing is this 
opening the ability for him to again whether it's building a house or doing something right i don't know are there lawyer fees left over from last year that are owed is there money owed potentially to his now former manager again i don't know i mean i could probably come up with 10 more questions or scenarios where advanced money on future contract would be taken but i've truly not heard of this as a thing that happens and if it does you know i would expect it to be a thing where someone has been with a team for a long time right probably going to be indy 500 winner champion level something like that been with the team for a long time signing a new extension and at that point maybe they are trying to do something new and significant right again build a house buy a house for mom or dad whatever something where you go you know me i know you we've been committed i'm staying i'm committed into the future the money's coming here but i have a specific need that would benefit its sooner arrival in that i could see it happening and i'm sure that's happened before in racing this just stands out daniel as kind of a what 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 um so i don't know um i don't know how much was received therefore how much mclaren would want back uh i don't know what mclaren might go after in terms of hey you signed a contract and you're not going to honor it and you know whether it's legal or again i don't know again i don't pretend to know any of that but it's one thing to get the money back it's another thing to say hey we're going to send a message that you will never do this to us or anyone else again and no driver we ever work with again or at any other team should think about doing what you've just done um there's something in there brother uh to consider terms of retribution retaliation message sending something like that um yeah i don't think this is gonna end up in a pretty way unfortunately um let's go to johnny patrick johnny i'm not sure if i remember questions from you before recently if if regardless thanks for sending this in um any news in Simon Pagano's official return and if he's going to be staying with Meyershank Racing? Uh, announced today, which we've known about for a little while, that Linus uh, will be staying in that number 60 MSR Honda doing this weekend's gateway race. So that will be a street race, a road race, road course, and an oval he will have done with Meyershank Racing. I think that's all he's meant to do. Uh, there's also another element to this, which is uh, his Indy Lights Advancement Prize, which is 500 grand. Uh, I think that's really covers about three IndyCar races. So, if they choose to hold on to him, if Simon's unable to complete the last two races, then that would be again between Linus and the team. But um, so, just talking about short term. Um, mentioned last week in racer silly season that Linus is meant to move to Chip Ganassi racing. And I can tell you that I have only heard that what I heard last week wrote about last week, I think it was last week. I don't know, man, my brain's fallen out of my head. I've only heard that that is continuing to happen and will happen. So 
that little nugget that we were able to uh, uncork there on Racer, uh, I only know that that is moving forward, happening, and I've heard it's a done deal. So uh, for his sake, it'd be amazing if it was. Um, I'm just going with, I believe this to be a fact. Uh, This would also seemingly uh, confirm and drive a nail into any thought that Marcus Erickson is staying at Chip Ganassi Racing. Um, I have heard Marcus is just as done at Andretti Autosport as Linus is at Chip Ganassi. I've also heard from a couple of very knowledgeable people that Marcus is getting paid. <laughs> uh, let's see how many can we, how many A's can we put on that paid at Andretti Autosport. And uh, the folks I heard that from are not jokers. They're people who would know. And so uh, when I heard that the first time and then heard it the second time, I had a big old smile on my face because I know that's exactly what Marcus has wanted, not just to be paid for the first time in his professional career, but to be well compensated. So uh, I've never bought money from a driver, but I know that if I need to, Woo, between him and, and Herta, wow. So, yeah. Um, so I guess we're kind of doing a little bit of the silly season stuff kind of in a question-by-question question thing. But, yeah, as they come up, uh, I'll, I'll address them. So coming back to the Simon part, um, I've heard that Felix Rosenquist uh, is probably looking a lot closer to being the driver of that number 60 next year than not also mentioned in the last silly season piece that you know understood he was potential for his current team for a hell of lanigan and then also for Meyershank racing have heard a thing or two about rll that makes me question as to whether they're ready to sign anybody right now um, I am not aware of Aaron McLaren looking to hold on to Felix and that's not said in a negative way. I think what we're looking at is a blessing to go and, you know, see what's out there probably before the whole Polo thing fired off and um, not showing up thing fired off, I should say. So, yeah, um, I am not aware of the Meyershank racing team being ready to commit to Simon um, for next year or beyond. Is there a possibility of him returning this season? I, as I've written, I, man, I hope so for his sake. Um, is there a possibility of him doing something with the team next year? I would hope so. But the team is also, I think, like a number of other teams, in a position where they need a sure thing. They need to know that whomever it is that they hire, their belief is going to be able to go out and deliver ASAP. And with Simon out due to injury, having had a bad season leading up to the crash, um, I think there'd need to be a lot of on-track things accomplished and a lot of things seen for Marshank Racing or any other team to say, yep, we're going to sign you for next year. So... I have fingers crossed right now while I'm recording 
I crossed my big toe, I think. Uh, I've got things crossed right now, all truly wanting nothing more than Simon to be able to get back for the last two races, show us that he's healthy and fast. Because him being able to demonstrate that I'm still the guy, even if it's not with his current team, there's a number of teams out there still trying to decide who to hire. Um, I just want him to be on the market instead of off the market right now because there's such a giant question mark about what he may or may not be able to bring. Um, Caleb Whistler, you say salutations. That's an interesting way to start things off there, Caleb. Uh, let's talk about the concussion protocols. What is the current protocol? Has IndyCar concussion protocol evolved over the years? Who's involved in evaluating drivers that have suffered concussions? I think I have answers to a lot of this. I don't know if I have all here, Caleb, but IndyCar adopted something called the impact test. It's all caps. I M P A C T. I think it's just as the word is spelled. And I don't remember exactly. I don't remember what the acronym stands for, but, uh, they have at least that tool, if not other tools available to them that help to assess drivers, brain health concussion in the recovery uh, of those concussions so taking the impact test that's done usually preseason, done as a baseline memory based and such and that is taken after a crash if uh, there's a belief they've exceeded a g threshold i forget what that number is it might be 80 60 something in that whatever it is but it's basically a g threshold where they go up oh, that throws you straight into the impact testing um take the test there's a compare and contrast done to your baseline and uh, i also believe that indycar's medical team you know does not just the impact test but also uh, you know physical evaluation and takes the uh results of the test and their hands-on evaluation and makes a determination and either says yes or no to competing and from there on, if you have not passed, uh, you are not cleared to drive due to concussion-like symptoms. Uh, as I understand it, it's usually about one week at a time intervals. So what I've heard most recently with Simon, for example, is a lot of Monday tests, you know, checking ins and going through this with IndyCar Medical. Now, could it be a Friday? I'm sure, maybe, but just heard about Mondays. So we're going to have another one Monday and we'll find out then. So, yeah, uh, in terms of concussion protocols, for sure it has evolved greatly over the years to where there was, prior to the impact testing, more or less nothing, uh, meaning no rigid test uh, other than, I would say, the physical exam and looking for any tells of a driver being, uh, you know, suffering from some sort of cognitive motor issue, something related to a brain injury. So that's what I know, Caleb. Uh, hopefully that answers your question. Uh, Ed Joris, why would Lundqvist drive for MSR if he signed to drive for CGR in 2024? You say, would uh, CGR pay MSR to run him to gain experience? Or is MSR still trying to sign him? Um, well, all this, I believe, was pretty much firmly in place before anything was signed with Chip Ganassi Racing, uh, including competing at Worldwide Technology Raceways this weekend. I don't believe CJR would pay MSR to run him. Um, yeah, that would. I think that would be strange. There's also the thing about Rookie of the Year, Ed. 
and I need to look up the rules exactly, but I think doing three races might be about the limit IndyCar will let you do before saying, okay, uh, you're no longer a rookie if you return next year. Keep in mind that rookies get an extra set of alternate tires at the places where they're used. Um, I, actually, I can't say if they're allowed that on uh, the Oval this weekend, but at least it runs street courses. So maintaining his rookie status, I'd say it would probably be number one priority for Ganassi. Uh, but yeah, um, I think all this was well in motion uh, before anything happened officially with Ganassi. Uh, Ryan Terpstra, Jack Harvey put Marshank Racing in the category of competitive teams for Elio won the 500 for them. Then he took presumably a nice offer from RLL and never got comfortable. Any buzz at all about him reuniting with MSR? Uh, you say things have been bad for both without each other. It's almost like you've read what I started writing earlier today. Uh, Ryan, yeah, spoke with our guy, Jack. Always thought the world of him. Great kid, great talent. Um, doing a piece here just on, yeah, on this kind of trying to get back in the groove, see what he can find for himself. Haven't heard much of anything in terms of who might sign him but i know he's trying and wants to remind folks that everything you mentioned here hey before i made this move which didn't work out for either side um the harvey shank combo was really impressive finished 13th in 2021 with them bunch of podiums bunch of fast six fast 12 qualifyings i mean he was really on it um and Shank has not been as good since he left, nor have things been as good as for Jack as well. So uh, I th would have to assume they've spoken, but yeah, uh, I think we're going to be looking at a all Kvist lineup next year at Meyer Shank Racing. Um, Jamine Tuttle, how you doing? Let me see. Are we close to the finish? Uh, let me see how much time we have left. Uh, ooh, all right. Going to say more faster. Uh, Jimmy, I'll come back to you in a second, hopefully. Uh, Austin T948 says, Marshall, what do you think the chances are we will see Jimmy Johnson return to the Indy 500? Uh, I would say slim to none. Um, this year, it's certainly not going to happen. So busy getting his uh, the cup team that he now co-owns up to speed uh, and what he was doing with Garage 56. So a lot of uh, conflicts there. If it isn't next year, I don't think it's going to happen. And I haven't heard anything from Jimmy saying I'm trying to come back and do it again. Uh, but I'll ask. I'll ask for sure. But, yeah, this to me is one of those kind of timeline things. If you don't get back to it pretty soon after you did it the last time, life, business, other things really do start to intervene and pull you away. So uh, I'll ask. But, yeah, I feel like we've seen – uh, the first and last of Jimmy last year at the Indy 500, which is a bummer. Uh, but if he achieves nothing else in life, he's just absolutely beaten all of us. Uh, let's see, Brian Cole, how you doing, Brian? So it's been a rough season for Dale Coyne Racing. Lost in the shuffle is what the outlook for Stingray Rob might be. Is he going to survive a tough rookie season and move forward in IndyCar or onto some other form of racing? Uh, I've been hearing for a while that. DCR has signed Daniel Frost, a talented kid, Singaporean kid, won the opening Indy NXT race this year at St. Pete um, and has some potential for sure uh, and can be pretty quick. Heard that he's signed to be there. And 
if Daniel is indeed going to be driving for Dale Coyne, I think a lineup of Stingray and, and Daniel would be a pretty tough one to uh, to sign off on. I have heard that Stingray has actually been doing, and his team, uh, his support team, have been doing a wonderful job of fundraising. Where this kid from Idaho really like is going to hit speed bumps is after the season he has had, which you said rough for DCR. It's been brutal for him, although things have been a little bit better of late. But uh, it's not that his stock value is low. It's that there is no value to his stock among other teams. There's no team that I'm aware of who is actively saying, come drive our car. Even if it's at a high high cost, like, hey, we're going to rake in the money by running you. And he said, yep, I'm willing to give you outrageous amounts. I'm not aware of any other team that is looking to him to do that. I've heard and I think written that the Dale Coin Racing Team is open to him returning, but... What I don't know, just because I need to get there and ask. I mean, I could probably call him, but it's a little late. Dale might be asleep by now. Um, David Malukas, team leader, young team leader. I don't think Daniel would be signed into that role. I would think he would be signed into the new driver, young driver thing like Stingray's been this year. So if I'm just guessing at strategy think that Dale Coyne and team are looking for a fast, young-ish veteran to place alongside a Daniel Frost type. So I would think if Daniel's been signed, it would probably be into the seat Stingray's currently in. Heard names like Devlin DeFrancesco mentioned as a possibility to lead things at Dale Coyne Racing. Heard some other drivers who've been there before in recent years could be in, open to coming back, but they would all fall into the older veteran role. And so this is where I wonder, is Stingray one and done in IndyCar? I'd love to see him get a chance with another team and a, a slightly better team at least so we can have a stronger feel for what he is capable of. Uh, what we've seen this year is not his best. That's not all he's capable of. Not at all. Will he get a chance to show us the best version of himself? That's the part, Austin, where I'm I'm concerned for him. Uh, Michael Bragg, you say, with silly season in full force, has there been any rumblings about where David Malukas may be next season or any chance he may stay at Dale Coyne Racing? He's not staying at Dale Coyne Racing. Said it to myself and others on the record firmly. Uh, that no, he will not be returning. Uh, you've had the full gamut of where might Davey go? It's Andretti Autosport. It's Chip Ganassi Racing. It's Aaron McLaren. It's Ed Carpenter Racing. It is, it is, it is, it is. RLL. Um, I was under the impression that it was going to be between Andretti and Carpenter with everything recently pointing to Ed Carpenter Racing. And then I heard super recently like within the last couple of days uh there might have been an offer from somewhere else that has taken him 
from if what I've heard falls into uh, into truthiness, dang near ready to put his name on an Ed Carpenter racing contract. But now he's having to seriously rethink doing that as a uh, offer from a better team uh, is said to have come in. So he's the big question for me in silly season and has been for quite some time. I know that he is he slash his parents, father, whomever, manager, seemingly met with every significant team and going back a little ways. You hear from this driver, oh, yeah, I saw Davey was in the shop here last week or he's been here twice now or, you know, there's been a lot of meetings and a lot of talkings with a lot of folks. But the where will Davey end up is still a question mark. Um, If it's not with the team that I just heard that has called to inquire if he could drive for them, it feels like the default would be Ed Carpenter racing. That's what I know right now at 7.30. Now it just turned over to 7.40 p.m. on a Monday night, August 21st, 2023. How, by the way, is it August 21st? I don't even know. Where's time going? Um, Is it a flat circle? As I learned from Russ Cole on a HBO show. Maybe it is. Uh, Zachary Burcham, you got a great question here. Let me see if I have time to come back to it. Jimmy Tuttle, you say with the new hybrid units coming uh, and testing seeming to go well, it did, says a guy who was never there, but it did. Uh, and do have the additional horsepower. We will see, there must be more strategy options coming on the road and street courses. You say, I know there's some setup changes that are coming, but I'm just wondering, will it really allow big changes shooting for uh, really high, long, straight speeds for places like Road America and GP, but maybe do you then sacrifice the slow and medium corner speeds, creating some more options besides just strategy and setup based on which tires and how many pit stops? Yeah, there's a potential big old, big old series of changes here. Here's one, for example. Um, so you have depleted your super capacitor for the most part and you have no boosty boost uh push to pass to use based on where you qualify the last race i think yeah based on where your pit box might be could you have an option right if you're in the first pit box um you probably wouldn't have much time to be on the pit lane speed limiter and trying to harvest and dragging the brake or, or whatever, whichever method or methods IndyCar decides to approve for harvesting energy. Whereas if you are, if you know you're pitting at the end of the lap and you're trying to overtake somebody, trying to do something significant to gain lap time, do you go ahead and burn almost all of it knowing that once you get onto pit lane, uh, in theory, you can be dragging the brake or regenerating however you're allowed to do while maintaining that, you know, 60 miles an hour, whatever it might be, and use the length of pit lane to try and harvest uh, some of those electronic ponies. Now, again, I don't know how that might work leaving the pit box, right? Because in theory, let's say you're the first pit in, pit box in compared to the other person which is the last one the first one heading back out onto the track again you might not have much time to harvest coming in but once you get up and running 
uh, and out into the fast lane there after pit stop, in theory, you could do the same, right? Harvest while trying to also maintain that maximum pit lane speed limit. Um, but do you lose a little bit of opportunity to do that while having a blast back out um, and get into the fast lane? Maybe compared to that driver who's, you know, in the very first pit stall all the way at the front and they're harvesting the whole way there. And since they can kind of sort of blast right out, uh, maybe they lose less harvesting capability time and have more charge to use out on track. Um, it's a lot of stuff here, a lot of potential uh, of what to do, how to do it. Currently, they're playing with an automated version, right? Where whether you know you lift off the throttle and the MGU kicks in and harvests, or you know, right now they haven't figured it out or locked down exactly what they're going to do, Jimmy. Uh, in terms of options for the drivers but yeah there are certainly strategies where you go hey this is a pretty big deal um another thing too where you go okay for the power that's coming to start in 2024 don't expect it to be as big as maybe we had hoped but it's definitely going to be doing a lot of torque filling right filling in acceleration uh where the motors on their own maybe have a little bit of lull as you wait for the revs to build and the turbos to spool up and give you that big punch of boost. Some soft spots in there. There's no, you can't get rid of all of them. Well, you certainly can use your energy recovery system and deploying those electronic ponies, Jameen, to fill in some of that. And as it is right now, everything I know is this is driver-activated deployment no automatic putting power to the ground but you press the button and choose when to use it and for how long do you do that to help acceleration off the corners to get a advantage over the person behind you who again maybe for whatever reason isn't doing the same thing maybe they've depleted theirs then there's another thing where you go okay great but let's say you're deeper into a stint maybe those rear tires at whatever track mid-ohio kind of beaten up and worn out well you might have you know plenty of of electronic horsepower stored up to use whereas earlier in that stint when the tires could take it you probably maybe using some of that firing off of some of the corners to make your top speed better or elapsed time shorter or whatever it is might you be laying off of that a bit now um coming out of the corners because getting that extra punch from the ERS system might overwhelm the tires. Again, there's, I'm really looking forward to this because drivers are going to be busier than ever having to think more than ever. And, uh, I think this is going to reward, uh, those who can multitask better than just about anybody else. Um, all right. I'm going to look at the last couple of questions here. Zach Bertram, great question from you on, setup philosophies and testing it's a long one so if you want send that one back in and uh, we'll get to it as soon as we can tim hubble you say with felix reportedly pretty far down the road with rll it's not rll uh who's your best guess for the six car mention malukas uh someone on the market here uh for sure who's of interest to many teams callum eilat is another one for sure talking about the not polo pretend polo uh polo fake polo um chat bot polo whatever we're going to call the person who isn't polo who's driving the car meant for alex polo um 
Malukas for sure. Keep him in mind. He's a decent name left on the market. Callum Eilat for sure. Very decent name in theory who is on the market. Um, hey, let's throw a wild card in here and I'm not doing it just for the sake of it, but uh, I do keep hearing that uh, Renus VK could be had. Uh, keep hearing that there's a buyout clause. If someone's willing to do that, and assuming it's not a crazy number that would drive people away, um, that kid's pretty dang good. Uh, so, yeah, if we're looking in the paddock, I think you got some good options there. I do have a big question as to whether reigning F2 champion uh, Felipe Drugovich from Brazil would decide he wanted to race here. I'd hope he would. Uh, but he's a name that I have in the back of my head of, boy, if you needed to go to a really strong f2 driver and if he was game and didn't want to keep doing the kind of non-role role that he does for aston martin in f1 uh i'd say his name he's a name as well tim i would keep in mind uh let's see just rolling through you know uh we're just going to close the show uh, with our friend steve bonnick uh also say a thank you to jamie dolinger jeffrey may uh, M Zane five, six, one, 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 um, Utah man, Travis, Andrew Campbell, John Bailey, um, Jared Henry, some other, uh, sweet folks, Steve Grinstead for the questions you sent in. Um, thank you. Uh, could get to everybody's question, but yeah, I, this, I've been genuinely writing since about six something in the morning and my brain's starting to shut off. So uh, let's say farewell for this episode with our pal Steve Bonnick. Got to spend some time with Steve, his amazing daughter Brenna. I think a whole troop of Brennas there. Uh, Ryan VB and Cassie, her husband Craig, a good old Mr. Bonnick, Chris Ward, um, Caminiti, Ryan Caminiti, Chris Wheeler, and um, Ryan as well. And just, yeah, great folks here recently got to enjoy uh, um, some drinks and a, a meal at the Foyt wine bar after the good old Indy grand pricks. Uh, Steve says, Hey MP hope you and the family are well, no question this week. Say the second grand prix ended up being my last IndyCar race of the season. Well, that makes me sad to hear that. Steve got to meet a bunch of great people this year and can't wait to do it again. Next say, thank you for all you do and helping me to find quote my people. Yeah, that's indeed how we start the uh, racing family show each week. Uh, my people, my people. Um, okay, bit of a homer alert here, and I apologize if being too sincere is a bad thing. Um, that's been the best part of my year. Now, the Day group that formed formed years ago, uh, and it's been great meeting folks in a select manner. You know, a couple folks, this event, that event, but... This dynamic we've had this year, Steve, where at so many races, we've had so many of y'all coming together. Christy Pradena as well. Miss not seeing her at the Brickyard. Uh, but there have been so many of you showing up at each race or m many races, most races, Alex Williams and Nick's, and we can just keep going on and on. That's been the greatest gift for me. I never even thought such a thing could happen where you talk about my people my family i just refer to it as my tribe like racing people are my tribe i've spent majority of my life 
with the racers themselves. But the great gift y'all have given to me this year is at so many races, I get to see Steve, Ryan Terpstra, whomever. Um, and y'all have just been such a gift because you break me out of my norm. I'm not just in pure work mode every moment of the day. And it's like, hey, like legitimately the two things, two of the things I remember more than almost anything else are the two evenings spent at the Foyt Wine Vault after the first Indy Grand Prix and now the second one, just hanging with y'all, with friends, solving all the world's problems, talking all kinds of mess, laughing like fools and loving it. So, yeah, uh, it's kind of you to send this, Steve. It bums me out. I'm not going to see you again this season, but uh, thanks to you and your daughter and just this great family you've helped make, uh, this great tribe that you've been such an important part of, along with so many others, John Wojnar, oh, no, no, Matt Philpot, and I go on for days, but thank you. Like, I don't know of any other person that goes to IndyCar races predominantly, but also at some IMSA too, but I don't know of anybody else who goes and has like this traveling family that's there, but they aren't your flesh and blood but they're your tribe, right? A lot of fans who show up who are fans of drivers or whatever. That's amazing. Like it's the greatest gift, but to have this group of y'all who formed, who love going to the races together and staying connected in between texting and discord and tweets and FaceTimes and whatever. And just that's been so remarkable and amazing. So just thanks to you, Steve. Thanks to everybody in the Pruday. And if any of y'all want to join, uh, it's just, it's wide open. Uh, just send an email to prudayrocks at gmail.com. P-R-U-E-D-A-Y-R-O-C-K-S at gmail.com. Just say, hey, I want to join and someone should get back to you very shortly. And if they don't, drop me a note here. I'm not a member of the group, uh, nor have I been, nor should I be, but um, drop me a note and um, they'll welcome you in. And if you don't hear from folks, let me know and I'll... Uh, Holler at those who can reach in and help. All right. Thank you again for everything you've sent in. Thanks to our guy, Jerry, for putting everything together. Um, and I'll look forward to seeing y'all here. Hopefully some of y'all this weekend in good old gateway. Thanks once again to Cooper tires, the justice brothers, Toronto motorsports.com discount tire for all that they do. <laughs>